Welcome to the GPC Youth Podcast. This is the official podcast for student ministry at Grace Presbyterian Church in the Woodlands, Texas. Our hope at GPC Youth is that we can be a place where students can get connected in the fellowship of believers, receive the truth of the gospel, and be equipped to engage our community with the love of Christ. For more information about our church and how you can get involved, please visit www.gracewoodlands.org. Thanks for listening. So I want to start this message today with kind of a question for you guys to think about. Um, The question is, how do we measure our lives? And I'm not talking about years or minutes or or timing, like not how long do we live, but how do we measure the quality of our life? Okay, is do we do this? Some people do this through uh, money. Some people do it, uh, measure their life with power. Some people would say the measure of your life is about how you're remembered when you're done, when you're gone. Um, Do people remember you? And if so, what do they remember you for? Many hold these views, but I think as Christians, I want to suggest to you guys that the Christian life is measured by love. And today I want to talk a little bit about love, and my hope is that you're inspired with a renewed vigor to love God, to love scripture, and to love your neighbor, to love each other. Um, To start, I'd like for you guys to all look with me at 1 Corinthians 13, verse 1 through 3. Uh, I did not write write out slides for you guys today. So if you have a Bible on your phone or wherever, if you'd like to turn with me to this passage, because we're going to refer to it quite a bit. Um, Again, it's 1 Corinthians 13. And we're just going to look at the first three verses uh, because I believe these three verses kind of hold the main point of, of the message today. It says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 3. I would break this passage down in a few sections of what people do, what Christians do. They're good things that is talked about in this passage, but... It's clear that without love, they're not really that good of things. Um, The first thing is, it says, if I speak, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels. What does this mean in the tongues of men and angels? If you speak about holy things, about religion, about Christianity, about doctrine, if you speak of these things, but have not love. You're described as a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, I thought about pulling out some pots and pans from the kitchen to clang around to show you about what that sounds like realistically. Uh, But I think you guys get the point in that if you're speaking about Christianity to people, if you're spreading 
the word of, of God, if you're spreading the gospel, but you're doing so without love in your heart. What that is, is clanging cymbals. It's pots and pans banging against each other. It's noise. It's not something that's beautiful and good. It's something that's annoying and really tough to listen to. The next part about this is if I have knowledge. Knowledge is a great thing. That's one of the things that people measure their lives by oftentimes. If we think about history, the people that are often thought of as having really successful lives are the people who have a lot of knowledge. Uh, But if you have knowledge, you know, it's that talk about prophetic powers. You could have prophetic powers. You could have understanding of mysteries and knowledge. But if you have not love, if you have not love, you are nothing. Again, the next one is faith. It's similar to knowledge. Uh, But here, Paul actually quotes Jesus. Jesus talks about faith of a mustard seed being able to move mountains. So Paul's kind of quoting Jesus here. But he's saying if you have that kind of ridiculous, crazy, mountain-moving faith, but you have not love, you are nothing. And he talks about generosity. If you give away all that you have, but you have not love, you're nothing. What does this look like? How do you give away all that you have, but not have love? Uh, what happens a lot is people use, um, and this actually speaks to not only generosity, but it's really all these things that are mentioned here. Some people use Christianity as, as a way to gain people's admiration. Some people give to charity for their own benefit rather than the benefit of others. I'm sure I've done this before. I know I've done this before. I'm sure you guys have done this before too, where you give to somebody generously. But you do it with a sense of, wow, I'm a great person. They think I'm a great person because I'm so kind and generous. When you do these things, but you have not love, this one says you gain nothing. And the last one, is kind of extreme. If you deliver up your body to be burned, what is that talking about? Like a martyr. You could be a martyr. People do the same thing as this is the generosity thing. It's they use Christianity. They use these great acts of faith and martyrdom and they do these things for people to see them, for people to say, oh, wow, he... Is a great person. He's a great Christian. But if you do those things and you have not love, you gain nothing. And this is actually one of the things that separates Christianity from from other religions. Other religions might say, well, you give up your life and other people's lives to gain love from God. That's a thing. That's, you know, radical Islam does that, where they crash planes into people in the name of Allah. Christianity is different. We don't do these things. We don't kill people 
to gain love from God. We don't kill people at all, really. We try not to, at least. And even just martyrdom, we don't do that because we just want to be great. Like The way that you do that in a good way is it's out of love for God and love for your neighbor. Um, but if you have not love when you do those things, it's really about you. And that's not a good thing. So the point of this passage here is that love's pretty important. How do we measure our lives? We measure our lives by love, not by any of these things. Because any of these things without love is nothing. It's meaningless. Um, so I want to talk a little bit more about some of these things. One thing to talk about in regards to love is speaking to other people about our Christian faith. Um, when we speak to people about the gospel or we counsel someone in their battle with sin or we teach about doctrine or interpretation of scripture, these, I think we can all agree, are good things, right? They're good things. But if they're not done out of love, then they become bad things. Because that, that twists scripture. Um, that's not to say that God can't use those bad things for good, but they're bad things that Paul describes as noisy gong or clanging cymbal. That's, that's back again to the first part of this verse. If I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am nothing. You know, I am noisy gong and clanging cymbals. John 14, verses 23 through 24 says this, Jesus answered him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. and My father will love him, and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the father's who sent me. This turns our attention to scripture and how scripture is love. I want to talk about those two things as being in line with one another. Scripture and love are go together, always. Okay, so if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. Now, this passage is pretty simple. If you love God, if you love Jesus, keep his word, right? We've all heard this before. The last part of this is also very important. The last part that says, The word you hear is not my word, but the Father who sent me. This applies this keeping his word to all of scripture. It changes this verse to, uh, to say, if anyone loves me, he will obey scripture. So let's follow these verses here by John. Let's follow those up with this passage in Matthew. Matthew 22, verses 36 through 40. It says, this is when the Pharisees come and they question Jesus and they say, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So, in sum, what does God want? To love God and to love our neighbor. That's what God wants for, from us. Um, and these verses in Matthew show us that all of the laws in Scripture 
are ultimately about loving God and loving our neighbor. This is super important because the previous verse says, if you love me, keep my word. If you love me, obey scripture. And what does scripture say? Scripture says that everything in scripture is about loving God and loving our neighbor. All of the commands and all of the laws in the scripture are about that. And we need to understand this. This is very important. You see, some of us feel like there's some scripture that is just ridiculous rules that we need to follow for the sake of rules. You know, rules just for rules' sake. We might think, well, the Bible says not to do this, but it really isn't hurting anybody. In fact, many people might be happy that I'm doing this. And if that's the case, why does God care? I do this? Why is there a rule against this if people like it? And we use this thinking to justify doing something that's counter to Scripture. In fact, we even start to look at Scripture as if it is the enemy of joy and that it is the one that's in the wrong. Instead of saying, Scripture says this is bad, therefore, if I'm, yeah, I shouldn't do it, we say, I think this is good, and Scripture doesn't agree with that, so Scripture's wrong. We might even take the position that Scripture doesn't really mean what it seems to mean. We may look at a passage and say, it doesn't mean that, and if it does, it's wrong, and whoever wrote this made a mistake. This is progressive Christianity, liberal Christianity, where we want to take what we want from the Bible and dismiss what we don't want from the Bible. And that's a dangerous game. And not only that, but that's not interpreting Scripture as instructions of how to love God and love others. And as we've just read in these previous verses, that's the goal of Scripture. Scripture instructs us how to love God and how to love others. So if we're not, you know, this is, you know, by saying these things about well, if it doesn't agree with me, then it is wrong, then we're not interpreting Scripture as instructions of how to love God and how to love others. As we wonder about a lot of social issues today, it's important for us to let Scripture speak into these, speak into these situations, and we need to trust that what the most loving message is, is Scripture. Scripture can speak into social issues today in a way that is loving. We must understand that. Or I'll say this. It's not that we must understand it. It's that we must trust that. Oftentimes, we're not going to be able to understand it. We're not going to be able to wrap our heads around it. But what we do need to do is trust that Scripture has the purpose of love. We must trust that the purpose of Scripture is love rather than assume that we know better than Scripture when it comes to love. Um, Some of these social issues today that um, probably some of us have different views on. In our community, there's all sorts of different views on different things. Um, Views on abortion, views on homosexuality, views on drugs and alcohol. Um, These kinds of issues are easy to 
it's easy to look at these situations and say, well, it's not hurting anybody, like homosexuality or uh, the use of marijuana. It's easy for us to look at some situations like these and say, this is really just something that makes me happy. And God wants me to be happy. So I'm not not loving my neighbor by doing this. And I believe that God wants me to be happy. And so this can't be a sin against God either because I'm loving God. I mean, God loves me. He wants me to be happy. So this shouldn't be a sin. So these passages on scripture that these passages of scripture that might suggest that these things are bad, they must be wrong. Maybe that's not what it means. Or maybe the person who wrote it made a mistake. That's looking at Scripture and saying that Scripture are rules just for rules' sake. It's instructions that are meant to inhibit us and put us in a box. That view is contrary to the view of Scripture, which is Scripture teaches us how to love God and love others. If we look at Scripture and believe that about Scripture, then oftentimes we can apply Scripture to some of these social issues. We're able to apply Scripture in those ways that aren't just our own views and trying to morph Scripture into what we believe, but instead it's us trusting Scripture that that is what is loving. We may not understand why homosexuality is wrong. After all, it's, it's just love, right? It's two people loving each other. You know, it's not hurting anybody. So why is that sin? We may not understand it. But what we can do is we can trust that Scripture is accurate and that God instituted marriage between a man and a woman, woman and he did this in order for us to love each other and love God well. We need to trust in those things rather than assume that our own views are correct and that Scripture is not loving. My last point is this. We used three sets of Scripture in this message so far. Well, so far, and we're not going to use any more Scripture. Um, We used three passages that were written by three different people. And I want us to take a look at who those people are who these people are that are teaching us about love. The first one, our main passage of Scripture in 1 Corinthians, was written by Paul, or written by Saul of Tarsus. Saul was known for hating and killing Christians. It's amazing how the Lord does work in people like that, that they can teach us how to love from where he started. The next person, Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. This meant that he was a traitor to his people and that he relied on cheating people in order to get good income. He took people's money unfairly oftentimes in order to make a profit. He didn't start out as a loving person, yet he teaches us how to love. Again, it's amazing how the Lord does work in people. The last one was John the Apostle, John the Disciple. He was known as the Apostle of Love, but he's a questionable teacher of love still. 
At one point, on the basis of race, there was a couple who refused to have Jesus stay in their home, a Gentile couple who refused to have Jesus stay in their home. And John basically said, do you want me to kill them in God's name, Jesus? Can you believe that? John was asking if, he, if Jesus wanted him to kill those people in God's name. <laughs> I, I can't even really believe that Jesus let John walk with him the next day. You know, like, it's amazing that they were still, it was John and it was another disciple. I'm not sure which one. Um, it's amazing that Jesus allowed them to continue being disciples after that day. That's not a very loving thing to do is to kill somebody because they won't let you stay at their house. But again, it's, it's amazing how the Lord works in people. And the only thing I can imagine about that last situation is that John, when he asked this, hey, do you, do you want me to kill these people in God's name, Jesus? Jesus said, no, no, that's dumb, John. And John said, oh, okay. The only thing I can imagine is that John was teachable, that he learned. And if John can learn from becoming that person to being known as the apostle of love, and if Matthew, a tax collector and a traitor of his people, can teach us how to love, and if Saul, a hunter and killer and persecutor of Christians and hater of Christians, can change and eventually teach us about how it is to love one another and to love God, then I really do believe that there's hope for you and me. Um, but I think that the only way that we can really truly learn how to love one another and love God well is to trust that Scripture has the purpose of teaching us how to love God and love one another. Scripture is how we learn how to love. We can't try and get Scripture to agree with us. That's not how you love. You don't try and find Scripture to agree with your viewpoints. That's not how you love. How to learn how to love is to trust that Scripture knows how to love, that Scripture can teach us how to love. And when we look to Scripture to learn how to love, we learn, we learn how to love God and one another in an unbiased way, in a way that God would have us love. So I would hope that we would look to the book of love, the word of love, the word of the living God. I would hope that we would look to the Bible to learn how we ought to love God and love one another. Let's pray. Dear Lord, once again, I thank you that we have this time each week that we can come together and look at scripture. And I pray that you speak to us through your scripture and you teach us how we might love you better and how we might love one another better. Lord, I pray that in our culture today, um, in our secular world that we live in, that we do not try to first define what love looks like and then look at scripture to see if it agrees and disagrees with it. 
and then discard the scripture that doesn't agree with it. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us looks to your word for, for knowledge of how we might love you well and we might love one another well. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the GPC Youth Podcast.